Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 66 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Same as always, my friend. Very good. Now, we're going to dive straight into part one. Part one is where we're going to talk about the reviewing. There is one fight to preview, so we're not going to make a big song and dance about that. That is going to be in part two. So part two is going to be the news and the preview. Part one is going to be the reviewing. So we're going to start with a fight that we are going to review that happened over in Mexico at the Escape Bar in Tijuana which is obviously part of Mexico. One fight to mention on this card over here, Devin Haney, the young, undefeated prospect. We've talked very highly about him on this show before. We hope to get him on, but um, he seems to be quite elusive, not just in the ring, but also outside of the ring. He advanced to 12-0. He picked up a TKO in round one. It was only scheduled for eight, but we didn't need any of that. And um, his opponent in the other corner was a man by the name of... Odilon Rivera, he had a record of 5-18, and 18, so uh, not a great record, and Devin Haney done what you're supposed to do with that type of opponent. That's really it, that one took place on the Thursday. Uh, we're now going to go over to Friday at the Hialeah Park Racing and Casino in Florida, USA. Hope I got the pronunciation right. Top of the bill, Eris Landy Lara putting his WBA Super World Super Welterweight title on the line against Yuri Foreman. Now, Yuri Foreman is a man who I didn't think would really pose any problem to Lara. I thought that, you know, Lara has obviously mixed it at the better level. Foreman, he's been in there with a couple of good guys, but, you know, none near the level of Erislandi Lara. I thought it was going to be easy. And it turned out to be a decent fight while it lasted. Foreman was down in round three. And he got knocked out in round four. So a good stoppage win there for Eris Landy Lara. Um, his record now 24-2 and two with the two draws. Yuri Foreman now 34-3. and three. Also on that card, I should mention, Anthony Durrell picked up his 30th career win. His opponent, Norbert Nemesapati, that's the guy who fought Callum Smith um, a couple months back. He retired at the end of round six. He didn't come out for the seventh, so a good stoppage win there for Anthony Durrell. And also on that bill, Juan Carlos Payano, former world champion, he picked up his 18th win with a TKO in round seven at Super Bantamweight over Iseo Gonzalo Carranza. Um, his record was 15-7, and seven. it's now 15-8, and eight. and as I say, Juan Carlos Payano advances to 18 wins, he's got the one loss as well. That's it for Friday, we're now going to go over to the big one, over on Saturday at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, USA, fantastic boxing venue. Uh, one fight to mention before we talk about the main event, uh, two fights actually. I want to talk about the Amanda Serino fight. This is the WBO World Female Super Bantamweight Champion. She put her belt on the line and won unanimously over 10 rounds, 10 two-minute rounds, that is. Her opponent, Yasmin Rivas, had a nice record, 35 wins, um, 9 losses, and 1 
draw, but she picked up a 10th loss here. So Amanda Serena, the champion, retained the title and moved to 31 professional wins. She's got the one loss and the one draw as well. And also on the undercard, a man who we had on our show last week, Javonte the Tank Davis. He was 16-0 with 15 knockouts, 7 inside the first round. He is only 22. A lot of people saw it as pretty early to challenge for a world title, especially against someone with the capabilities that Jose Pedraza has. Um, I, for one, to be honest, I was going to probably favour Pedraza in this fight, like many others did. He was the favourite, I think, over here. I'm not so sure he was over in the States. Um, Obviously, it was on a Mayweather show as well, Javonta Davis being promoted by Floyd Mayweather. You know, there was always a chance that if it went to points, he could be favoured on the judges' scorecards, but it didn't go that far. No, no, no. Pedraza was down in round seven, and a TKO was recorded in that round for Javonta Davis. So Javonta Davis causes the upset here. He advances to 17-0 with 16 knockouts. He's the new IBF World Super Featherweight Champion. As I said last week when he came on our show, I said that he is a quiet killer. He's a little bit shy with the media, but he is a quiet killer. And Jose Pedraza, who I have been saying for quite a while is a really good fighter, he's the only man in the top 20 or top 18, 19 fighters at um, Super Featherweight that has a completely clean record with no draws or losses. And I know that's quite staggering, but there's been so many good fighters and so many good fights matched at Super Featherweight that all of these guys have got blemishes, whether it's a draw, whether it's a couple of losses, a couple of draws. He had nothing. Jose Pedraza was completely clean, 22-0, all wins. Javante Davis was exactly the same, 16-0, all wins. And as I say, Javante Davis calls the upset. I know that you was very... um, you know, very happy to see Javonte Davis win this fight, Ayaz. I know that he also impressed you with his boxing skills. I'm going to leave it to you on this one. What did you like the most from Javonte Davis and how, um, I won't say surprised because we all knew it was going to be a close fight, but how impressed were you by his technique and the way he got the job done? I was very, very impressed with Javonte Davis. I tell you something, there's a star born in boxing that his name is Javonte Davis. He performed exceptionally. Uh, many people believed in that. Even I thought myself, right? Yes, this is going to go points and Pedraza is going to win. Like, obviously, we've seen Pedraza fought um, Stephen Smith before. Pedraza was just jabbing him and hurting Stephen Smith all the way. But this fight, wow. You can see the amount of talent that Javonta's Davis got. And when I, see, when I saw him fight, I thought he reminded me a bit of Adrian Broner. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. He He had the sort of... It's weird. It was kind of in the middle of um, Floyd Mayweather and Adrian Broner, but I think he was very much like like um, Adrian Broner for sure, definitely. Um, his stance, his movement, the elusiveness, the way he does he did it. It was um, it was a very 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 good performance. It really really was. Uh, in the first couple of rounds, he started very well. To be honest, he didn't give Jose Pedraza really a chance to get into the fight. I think Jose Pedraza's maybe a slow starter, someone that um, warms in as the fight went on. And to be honest, he was warming into the fight in the in the sort of rounds, you know, the middle rounds. The fight only went seven rounds, but in like the fourth, fifth round, Pedraza had decent rounds. But I don't know. I don't know. It seemed like Javante kind of tired a little bit during those rounds, and he found a bit of a second wind. It was a brilliant fight. Anyone who hasn't seen it needs to go and watch it because it was a real, a real good fight. I won't say fight of the year contender. You know, we're only a couple of weeks into the year, but I think it was a brilliant, brilliant fight. 
definitely one I could watch again. Um, as I say, Javante Davis, I'm very, very happy for him. It's another world champion that we've hosted on this show. Um, he was great to speak to last week, and I'm sure he's going to be um, an exciting fighter to follow. So we're definitely going to keep an eye out for him. A brilliant, brilliant win. Um, as I say, you know his power as well is, is really good. It doesn't look like he carries too much power in his shots, but the way he was finding the body, everything, the body shots was, was absolutely second to none. It was great to see, brilliant display. And, you know, he called out Stephen Smith on our show last week, sort of. You know, he said, if I get through this fight, I want Stephen Smith next. And I know that he wants to come over here in the UK at some point. And as I say, you know, I cannot wait for these things to unfold because a real fighter there that um, carries some serious excitement in the super featherweight division but that's enough for that fight a brilliant win there for Javante Davis now 17 and 0 Jose Pedraza with his first blemish now 22 wins and the one loss here and now the main event James Chunky DeGal the IBF world super middleweight champion he put his belt on the line against the WBC world super middleweight champion Badu Jack uh, James DeGal 23 and 1 Badu Jack 20 and 1 with two draws um Ayaz, firstly a lot of people, and we've got to be honest, we both said that we thought that DeGaulle was going to win over 12 rounds, you know, on points. Um, we both thought that James DeGaulle, we knew it was a close fight, but there was no danger. that We, we didn't really think that Badu Jack was going to be able to win this fight. We thought that, you know, a good James DeGaulle beats a good Badu Jack all day long. And we saw a good James DeGaulle. And we saw a good Badu Jack. But, of course... He didn't win. You know, it, it went down as a majority draw. One judge gave it to James DeGaulle. The other two judges gave it a draw. Um, Ayaz, I'm going to throw it down to you to begin with. Obviously, you know, Badu Jack was put down in round one. It was a good start from James DeGaulle. And then we saw what's turning into really a trademark DeGaulle, where he takes his foot off the gas for a few rounds, lets his opponent scrape back in, and then he came alive for the f for the last couple of rounds as well. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give it to you, Ayaz. What did you make of that fight? Well, what did I make of that fight? Let me say something. That was fight of the year, in my opinion. Fight of the year already. In my opinion, I'll tell you something already, yeah? I'll tell you something. James DeGaulle was brilliant in that fight. Badu Jack was brilliant as well. You see the first round, DeGale actually knocked, knocked Badu Jack down. And then you see DeGale winning these rounds. But then you see Badu Jack, like in the fifth, fourth round, he's winning the rounds. Round six to nine, Badu, Badu Jack was winning the rounds. And you can see DeGale, like, getting hot. And the funniest thing is, like, when Aaron Badu Jack, he threw the left, the right hand, yeah, the left hook, and he hit the referee in the face. And 10-11, DeGale won those rounds, and afterwards... Like Badu Jack, yeah, knocked DeGale down, and he, he even broke DeGale's front uh, front tooth. And in this fight, DeGale, like, he even spat his mouth guard out like three times in this fight. But I thought, I I personally thought, I I thought from the start, for DeGale was gonna win this. But then I didn't, I didn't knew at the end that Badu Jack performed that good, it was gonna be a draw. Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to touch on the mouthpiece thing. I know he, he spat his mouthpiece out three times, but I don't think it was intentional. I really don't. I, I think one or two times it come out with a uh, with a punch, and a couple, uh, maybe one or two of the other times, it seemed like it just fell out while he was so exhausted because he was throwing as it as it came out on on most of those times. But I do want to say, you know, the first knockdown when James DeGaulle put Badu Jack down in the first round, it was a brilliant start. Um, it was a flash knockdown, you know, we knew that Badu Jack wasn't hurt. Badu Jack is someone who is 
very, very strong. I thought, you know, I know he's a strong, solid guy at 168, but I didn't think he was as strong as what he was when I saw him in there with James DeGaulle. I honestly thought that, you know, I honestly thought that James DeGaulle would be sort of around the same strength. I thought that maybe James DeGaulle might even be the stronger of the two, but Badu Jack, the strength this man's got, you know, it was it was just straight away, as soon as the bell went, he was straight into the centre of the ring. James DeGaulle did not get into the centre of the ring at all during the fight. He was always on, you know, on the back foot, if you like. Um, not, not, I don't want to say so much on the back foot, but he was always the one on the outside. And um, when they fought on the inside, which is really Badu Jack's game more than Degao's. I'm not saying it's not Degao's game because Degao is so well-rounded that he can adapt to any kind of style. He really can. But he was mixing it up on the inside a bit too much, and that is where Badu Jack was hitting him. I also thought before the fight that both men didn't have the power to trouble the other one. Obviously, you know, we've seen Badu Jack go down. It was a bit of a flash knockdown. It might have been a bit of an imbalance. I'm not sure. And then in the last round, Badu Jack definitely, definitely, definitely has got the more power out of the two guys. I really didn't think that before the fight, but wow, he was landing some bombs. And James DeGaulle has got a really good chin. But I think in that 12th round, when he put him down, it was just, he was so exhausted because it was such a dogfight. You know, you said it was fight of the year. Again, it's a bit early to call that, but he's definitely going to be a contender. Unfortunately, by the time December rolls around, which is like 11 months away, people are going to forget about this fight, which always happens. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to mention it here as being one of the fights of the year's contender. But, you know, we're going to probably forget it later in the year. But we've made our mark here by saying it, that it was a great fight. And again, if you have not seen this, you need to go and watch it. It was a fantastic, fun-filled fight. It was definitely worth staying up for. Um, James DeGaulle, though. I just don't know what this problem is, why he takes his foot off the gas. But I don't want to say that that's the only reason why Badu Jack was able to win as many rounds as he did and make it such a close fight, because Badu Jack was brilliant. I've said it beforehand, I said that if James DeGaulle takes his foot off the gas and lets Badu Jack in, this could be a fight which he's going to lose. I said, Badu Jack is too good to do this with. You know, he's going to lose the fight. If he does it, he can't afford to do it. And to be honest, he couldn't afford to do it. And I'm thankful that the judges were as fair as what they were. Because we was all worried that there might be a bit of home cooking here. And, um, you know, the judges were very, very fair. The judges, and not only that, but the uh, the, the, the network as well. They actually gave James DeGaulle a number of the first five rounds or six rounds. They gave it quite in favour of DeGaulle. Even maybe a little bit too much, in my opinion. But, you know, it was an American broadcaster that, that put the event on. And I was very happy that they weren't being biased. So, you know, that's always good to see. Floyd Mayweather said at the end, and i got to say, I liked it. Because Floyd Mayweather took the mic and started, you know, saying all this stuff about bad decisions. And I liked to actually see James DeGaulle butting in, jumping in, telling him he's talking rubbish. That was actually good to see. I really liked to see that. Because, you know, not enough people have done that to Floyd over the years. He always gets his say. And he actually couldn't, you know, he, he got beaten, in, like, verbally by James DeGaulle, which we haven't seen a lot in Floyd's years. But, you know, James DeGaulle, we know he's he's great for banter. You know, you can't, he's like Tyson Fury, you can't outspeak him kind of thing. He's very good with, with, with the microphone in front of him. Um, I as Floyd Mayweather said in his opinion, and I quote, This is bad for boxing. Badu Jack has had two 
Um, bad decisions go against him in a row now. He's had two draws in a row here. Once against Lucian Boutte, we know that that was a disgraceful decision. Um, once here against James DeGaulle. But his quote where he said that this is bad for boxing, I as you know, I know what you're going to say here when I ask you this, but we both know that that fight was definitely not bad for boxing. And seeing as it was so close, remember, um, one judge gave it to James DeGaulle. Some people think that Badu Jack got it, but at the end of the day, no one can be... Uh, can be annoyed or, or, or angered if it would have gone either way by one round. It went down as a draw. It's not bad for boxing, is it, Ayers? It was a great fight for boxing. It's not bad for boxing. The reason maybe we're saying that is because that's his fighter, Badu Jack. And the thing is, I, I can get where he's coming from, right? When Jack fought Bute, in my opinion, I thought Jack won that. I personally yeah. think Jack won that. And uh, With this DeGail fight, it was very, very close. The thing is, if, if Jack didn't get knocked down in the first round... I personally reckon um, Jack would have won that fight if he didn't get knocked down in that first round. Well, yeah, that was that ended up being a telling factor, but it's the same thing, you know. Yeah. If the gal didn't get knocked down in in that twelfth round, then he would have won the fight, you know. Yes. So it was one thirteen, one thirteen on um, on on two scorecards. So yeah, if it wasn't a ten eight in that last round, then then he would have won. The knockdowns kind of nullified each other because they happened in the first and last rounds. And, um, you know, a 10-8 and then a 10-8 the other way. They kind of nullified each other. So, you know, they were both telling factors until that, that you know, the Badu Jack, uh, the James DeGaulle knockdown in the last round nullified it. So he needed that knockdown. He needed that knockdown Badu Jack for it to be a draw. So, um, yeah, it was a very close fight. It wasn't bad for boxing, and I agree. You know, Floyd only went on that rant because it was his fighter. But we'll move on from that anyway. This card was the last card that we had to review because there wasn't too much boxing on. And again, there's not really any boxing on this week. It's it's a bit of a you know slow season in January, as I've said many, many times. Um, some good fights coming up, by the way, but uh, just not this particular week. So that's it for the reviewing. The one last thing to do before we end part one is to welcome our first guest ladies and gentlemen please welcome a man that's in a big fight on the Eubank Junior undercard coming up in just two weeks time it's of course Mr John Ryder John welcome back on the show it's been a while to be honest thanks Joe thanks for having me man glad to be back hey it's always my pleasure my friend now John we're calling you out of your training camp in Portugal how's that going I know that there's a few of the lads out there with you who's out there with you just to remind me actually uh, myself Ricky Burns Ohio Pages Connor Ben. Felix Cash, Ted Cheever, and Mike Ward. And obviously, uh, Tony Singh is here with us. So, so it's, a, it's a good camp. So, um, we're only three days in just for our last bit, but um, it's, it's going well. You're fighting Adam Etchies on the 4th of February, obviously. We had him on our show last week. It's always good to speak to both fighters, so we've got you on as well. I asked Adam the same question to begin with that I'm going to ask you. The telling factor in terms of your records here is that you both have fought Sergei Kamitsky. You beat him on points over 12. Uh, he knocked Adam Etchies out in round four. Can anything be taken from that little fact there? Not really. I mean, it was just it was one shot that turned a fight on his head and... I've been in a position with Blackwell and one shot can turn a fight on his head. So I, I wouldn't read too much into it. I don't think for one minute that he's, he's chinny or that that's, that's it. I'm going to get knocked him out with one shot because to think that would be stupid of me. Do you know what I mean? He's a, he's a good fighter. He's tough. He, he carries power. And then I know, I know he's a good boxer. He's been at the Ingle camp for years and they, they just seem to breed good fighters, didn't they? He, he, he's just another one. He's a good fighter. 
he's a round good fighter, so it's just it's just him. But myself, I'm not saying I'm good fighters, and we we all push each other on. Yeah, absolutely. And Adam said that he believed that this fight between you both is a 50-50 fight and that it would be a make or break in some ways and it would be a very hard, long road back for the loser, he said. Do you share that opinion as well? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm, 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 you know, I'm not old, I'm 28, but I'm coming up three losses now. Albeit once to be Joe, I, I, you, can, you can kind of wipe the mouth of that one and say, yeah, you know what, he's a world champion now. Said dudes. Lost to Blackwell, not, nothing I can do about that. Not that I'd want to do anything about it now, but with what's been going on. Yeah. And the Jack Arnold fight, I mean, I still, I still feel I won the Jack Arnold fight, but if one of them things you've got to rebuild, and I didn't go up a weight, I feel that this is the right weight for me now. But um, it's, all, it's all still to, still to show, do you know what I mean? We've, we've, we're both moving up a weight, we've both all got something to prove, so I, I believe it makes it a good fight and bring out the best of us. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, for me, I think that there isn't a road back if I lost this fight. That's why I'm taking it so seriously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're both coming up from middleweight here, officially in this one. This is obviously at super middleweight, as you just said. Uh, was that any one of you's demands more than the other, or was it just a mutual thing to do this one at super middle? Well, no, I'd, I'd, I'd say it's my team after the last, the answer's lost that if I was going to continue I, I needed to move up need to give this 12 stone a shot and then they can't with this so I, I assume he was at the same thought that he thought he needed to move up to, to give his best and um, I've got to ask you about this I don't know if you actually managed to see it or not as you say you know you're over in Portugal at the moment did you manage to catch the uh, James DeGaulle and Badu Jack fight at all? I did I, I was um, that, was, that was the day before I left I, I had my mate call me up at 4 in the morning <laughs> Simon Clayton, if I can give a shout out to him, I'll play make a big side for, for calling me. Absolutely. Um, he did call me around two though, so it's a little bit late, but luckily my mum had knocked on the door and something. So no, yeah, I thought, it was a, I thought it was a good fight. I mean, it's a shame when it's a draw, but I, I said to a friend, prior to that, like, don't rule out a draw. Do you know what I mean? And I, I just thought, I thought it would be more of a, a clear cut to go a point when you maybe just get rubbed on the scorecard for the draw. Yeah. But, um, no, I don't. I'm, I'm impressed with Jack. I think he's, I wouldn't say he does anything special, but he does everything good. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like yeah. He's not spectacular to watch, but he's very like efficient. He seems to be effective. This is like the straight shots. So um, be interested what he does next. But I just, I just think James has got a lot more to offer, and just not seeing the best in yet. Yeah, I basically said exactly what you said there just the other week, just the, the show we did before. I said that Badu Jack doesn't really do anything spectacular, but does all the basics very well. So, um, yeah, definitely, you know, a, a popular opinion, that one. Um, who did you think nicked it, or did you? are you happy with the draw on that one? Uh, no, I, mean, I think it's, it's a fair, fair result. I mean, you've got to give the gal the, the first three. I mean... Um, what with the, with the knockdown he won then, 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 then Jack came back quite strong there was a lot of close rounds that I mean quite subjective like who do you score for do you know what I mean but um, obviously the United Spanner in terms of the knockdown in the last round but no I think it's a, um, it made for a good rematch but all, all being said like Jack moves up now so it's not going to happen I suppose yeah. but it would have been good to get a rematch and see a more decisive winner yeah yeah 
absolutely. And um, a couple of other fights I want to ask you about, to be honest, uh, John. A couple of upcoming fights. I've got to ask you about this big one at heavyweight. I've got to ask everyone about it, to be honest. Anthony Joshua against Vladimir Klitschko. Is it too early for Anthony Joshua? Is it the perfect timing? What's your take on that one? I think Anthony Joshua will knock him out before six rounds. Um, I, think, I think it's the right time. I think it's a long time to ring for Klitschko. I mean, don't get wrong, he's another one that does, he's very effective with what he does and does it well, but I, I just think he's a bit scared to pull the trigger now and he doesn't really let his shots go. And he'll, he'll know at some point that AJ's going to catch him. Okay, fair enough. And the last uh, question about, well, I've got two more questions for you. This is the last one I want to ask you about, an upcoming fight. Uh, one at middleweight, Gennady Golovkin against Danny Jacobs. Finally, a, a fight that... Um, well, it's the closest thing to a 50-50, I suppose, at uh, at middleweight. How do you see that one playing out? Do you reckon that Danny Jacobs can pose any problems? Well, I mean, you look at Danny Jacobs, he had the loss to Pirog, and then he, um, he, he had a battle of cancer. And, I mean, you look at that loss to Pirog, and you thought, oh, he's, he's not going to do anything, do you know what I mean? But then, who knows if he had, if he had that problem during that fight, do you know what I mean? Was that hamstring was that and not knowing what it was? To an extent that it was, then um, then he's come back and he's he's knocked out uh, Peter Quillen in amazing fashion. Yeah. So he's obviously got a lot of power himself. It'd just be very interesting. But I'm just I'm a, I'm a Golovkin man. I think Golovkin probably will stop him. Probably probably later on, maybe nine, eight or nine rounds. But I, I just can't see him being Golovkin at the moment. Yeah, me neither, me neither. And the final question now for you, John. I asked this one to Adam last week, and I'm going to ask you the same thing. How do you win this fight? And uh, if you've got a prediction, I'm not going to push you for one, but if you've got one, please let us hear it. Uh, there's, there's, there's many ways to skin the cat in there, but uh, I believe that I've got a good boxing brain, and I'm, I'm fit, and I'm strong, and I'm ready, and I, I believe that I will be the best at Torstone that I, you've seen me for a while. So, uh, I don't make predictions, but it could be in the points or late stuff. Either one would be for me, just just to get the win and just to keep my career on the right path. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and John, thank you very much. Thank you very much for giving us a bit of time from Portugal. It's always a pleasure speaking with you, my man. You know that. Um, thank you, as I say, for giving us a bit of time. Best of luck for your upcoming fight, and we'll definitely catch up sometime afterwards. Lovely. Thank you, Joey. Thanks a lot, mate. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. There's only one fight to preview. We're going to start with a card. Or, well, we're going to start and finish with a card. Over in the Sun National Bank Center in Trenton, New Jersey, USA. One fight to mention, Zab Judah. His record at the moment, 42-9. and He's in a 10-rounder at welterweight against Jorge Luis Mungula, who has a record of 12-7. and so, um, Zab Judah, you know, he's been out of the ring now. He's been out of the ring a long, long time. His last fight was against Paulie Malinagi. That was like the Battle of Brooklyn. And that was actually back in 2013, December of 2013. So, he's been out of the ring just over three years. He's now aged 39. You know, he, he wasn't impressive last time out against Paulie Malinagi. Paulie Malinagi is well over the hill now. And, um, you know... I don't really know why he's still fighting, but we've got to give him a mention because Zab Judah is definitely one of the legends of the sport. And that is really it for the previewing, that one fight there. So the next thing to do is to bring in Ayaz with this week's roundup of the boxing news from around the world.
Sal Canelo Alvarez will fight Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. on May the 6th. Yes. Um, this is a fight, obviously, you know, it's, it's a big money fight for Mexico. Simple as that. Um, a lot of people, and I don't think many people are going to favour Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. winning this fight, in my honest opinion. I think that Canelo is way too good, too dedicated to the sport, you know, lives the life properly. We all know that Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., he's a, he's a legend in his own right, because, well, he's a son of a legend. That's what he actually is. You know, his dad was the real legend, but he's done some, some great stuff in the sport, you know, former world champion, great um, wins on his resume and all that. But Canelo is, is a different breed, so to speak. You know, I think that this fight, does it say which weight it's going to be at yet, Ayaz? Has, has that been sorted out? Being contracted for £164. £164. Oh, £164. Well, yeah, well, you know, it's definitely, I mean, if anything, that's a weight really that I'd imagine Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. is more comfortable at than um, Canelo Alvarez. But, you know, Canelo, his people are very, very clever. And they wouldn't have signed to fight at that weight if they didn't feel extremely comfortable at that weight. So, yeah, it's going to be a good fight for Mexico. It really is. But one that I can see Canelo getting the job done pretty easily. David Lemieux will take on Curtis Stevenson on March the 11th. Yeah, two guys that have lost to Gennady Golovkin, two victims of Gennady Golovkin. It seems like we've said that quite a few times. All these guys that he's fought, um, a few of them have ended up fighting each other. Curtis Stevens, obviously, you know, the assassin, um, a clever fighter. He's featured on the show Real Knockout of Gennady Golovkin's um you know, he's, he's got a load of show real knockouts, but that one where he knocks Curtis Stevens down and his eyes roll back, that's definitely, you know, one of the top videos on the show real. But um, he's a good fighter, and Lemieux can really bang. I mean, that is his main tool. He's, he's got a cracking right hand, and he can really bang. So um, it's a skillful boxer against a banger, to be honest here. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think that the way Gennady Golovkin beat Lemieux because he boxed him in that fight and showed great boxing skills and, you know, the good jab. Curtis Stevens has got a very good jab, so if he can use that, it's going to make it interesting. But, you know, if he doesn't keep his guard up and he gets hit with one of those overhand rights or those right hooks that um, that Lemieux possesses, then it's night-night. So, uh, yeah, intriguing, I suppose, intriguing. Both of them on a bit of a bad patch in their careers right now. Um, you know, one of them is going to get springboarded into something big with a win here. So yeah, definitely one I'm going to watch as a boxing fan myself, but uh, not one I'm, I'm, I'm you know I'm going to be losing sleep over because I'm so excited for it. Any more news? Joe Gallagher says Callum Smith would welcome a vacant title fight with Anthony Durrells if Badu Jack decides to move up the weight. Yeah, that's something that we really should have probably touched on a couple moments ago when we talked about the uh, the James DeGale fight. Um, you know, it's, it's been made clear. James DeGale was very, very persistent about a rematch. Straight away, he said, come on, let's do it again. You know, he's a warrior, James DeGale. He truly is. And Badu Jack said, yeah, let's do it at light heavyweight. You know, that's ridiculous. There's no way that James DeGale should be at light heavyweight at all. Badu Jack's obviously going to be moving up there, it seems. And I think he's going to probably do that before he fights Callum Smith. Now, I'm not saying, oh, he's trying to avoid Callum Smith. I'm saying that his mandatory is due... He's got to fight Callum Smith within so many days before he has to vacate. Um, Callum Smith is not a big name in America whatsoever. So they would have to pay him a lot of money to get him over here. And I don't see that happening at all. I really don't see Floyd putting Badu Jack over in the UK 
where let's be honest here, we're known for some hometown decisions sometimes, especially on Eddie Hearn's cards. Badu Jack's been on the wrong end of the decision twice now, in Mayweather's opinion. He's not going to let it happen three times in a row, so he's not going to be coming over here. That's the end of that. Um, is Callum Smith going to go over there? Well, I just can't see it happening because I don't think the fight's big enough, you know, simply because Callum Smith doesn't have a name over in the US. He's fought over there before, obviously, but um, he doesn't. He just doesn't have a, a good enough name over there. So I don't see that fight happening. I don't see them sorting out a contract over there. I don't know what card it would go on. It's definitely not a bill topper. Um, you know, would it be thrown on the on the uh, the Chris Brown fight? I don't know. Maybe maybe it'd be on that Chris Chris Brown and Soldier Boy undercard. Who knows? But no, all, all seriousness, I can't see the fight happening. I can see Badu Jack vacating his title and moving up to light heavyweight. It's a risky fight against uh, Callum Smith as well. You know, don't laugh at me when I say that. I'm being honest. I think that that's a risky fight for anyone. If Callum Smith switched on, you know, he's 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 so long. He hits hard. His his body shots are ferocious. It's a tough fight for Badu Jack if he turns up with his A game. Callum Smith and I think that he will turn up with his A game for big fights and big you know big opponents and stuff like that so for me he's going to vacate he's going to move up and it's going to be a vacant belt and then we're going to see Callum Smith fight as you say Anthony Durrell which I think um, you know it's a much easier fight I suppose than Badu Jack Anthony Durrell in my opinion the um, I think you know, his brother Andre Durrell is a better fighter than him, in my honest opinion. So, um, yeah, one that is still a it's still a really tough fight. It's one that I can see going both ways, really. You know, Callum Smith's definitely got to be on his A game. Can't be um, turning up in journeyman mode like he's fought a couple of journeymen recently and he's he's been terrible against them. He can't turn up like that. He's got to turn up seriously focused, and I know he will. So it'd be a good fight. If the you know whether he takes on Badu Jack or Anthony Durrell, so I'm looking forward to see that situation um, being sorted out pretty soon. You know, Callum Smith's been waiting for a long time now, and I can't wait to see him get his chance on the big world stage. Is there any more news for us, Ayers? Uh, no, there's not. Other news, Joey. Okie dokie. Right. So before we end part two and end the show, essentially, there's one last thing to do, and it's the same as every week. We've got to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former two-weight world champion, Mr. Mikey Garcia. Mikey, welcome back on the show. It's great to get you back on. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure. You know, we're, we're back. We're excited for what comes. Absolutely. So, of course, you know, the reason we got you on is you're taking on Zlati Canin on the 28th of this month. What do you know about him, Mikey? He seems to be very underrated. Um, he even actually got a shock win over here a couple of years back against one of our guys, Ricky Burns. Uh, that was really the win that turned him into a superstar. Since then, he's, he's just been marching on stronger and stronger. What do you know about him? Well, I've seen some video, I've seen some film, uh, you know, on, on my opponent, Deshaun Lutkinen. I, uh, I can tell that he's a very aggressive fighter. He's uh pressure fighter that can come forward in the southpaw and uh, he's got power in both hands especially that overhand left that's given him a lot of success in the fight he's a uh, world champion I'm sure he's very motivated right now very hungry determined to make a demon and, and you know shock the world once again so I'm, I'm looking forward to this fight I'm looking forward to a tough competitive fight that will allow me and push me to to the next level and, and show the world you know, the type of fighter that I am. And 
I've got to ask you this, Mikey. How has camp been? Has it been any different to any previous camps that you've that you've participated in? You know, we had a very good camp. We had great sparring, great workout routine. Uh, nothing different other than maybe making some adjustments uh, and sparring for my opponent. You know, like we had southpaw opponents and then southpaw frontline that come forward and that's stuff uh, but uh, other than that, the great camp, my dad, my brother, my nephew, you know, we were all having a very good uh, camp. Excellent stuff, man, excellent stuff. And I know that when you came back after the long layoff, you didn't want to waste any time getting into any, you know, warm-up fights. You wanted to jump straight in. And, you know, you did that when you took on Elio Rojas in, the, in you know, in your comeback fight. Here, in just your second fight back, you're fighting for a world title. Is this how quick you would have liked it, Mikey? Or did it come a little bit, in your honest opinion, a little bit too soon? Well, because I, I feel that I was always ready. I never lost anything that I was played. So I was ready to jump in right where I left off. And that's why I chose and, and uh, decided to go for a world title fight. It's just my second fight back. I don't think I need any tune-up fights or any, you know, uh, easy fights to get the rhythm going, to get my confidence back or anything like that. I never left for any injury. I never left because I was knocked out or I lost a fight. I never left for those reasons. I left because of political reasons and business reasons and boxing. But uh, I go in my prime. I go fast. I'm strong. I'm confident in myself. And I'm ready to take on the big challenges. Uh, third division, you know, in, in the lightweight division, this will be my third division. So I'm ready to move forward and, and have my, my best career, you know, and best stage of my career um, after that this Yeah, absolutely. And previously, the last time we spoke, you expressed wanting the WBO title because that's the title that you know you've won in both of the weight divisions that you've been in previously. And obviously, we talked about the WBO champion at lightweight, Terry Flanagan. Now you're fighting for the WBC. I just wanted to ask you: Is the WBO belt still something you want, providing you beat Zlatan? Yes, I still want that WBO title. I want to select that third. WBO title, but uh, like I said, I understand the business and politics, and you know he has his scheduled fight. You know he was scheduled to be fighting uh, Verdejo, uh late last year, November. Um, we couldn't take on on, on Flanagan, so we opted to go for the WBC title in the Jean and uh, we find out Verdejo got injured, and then you know I probably could have maybe stepped up, but I was already And previously, again, last time we spoke, you expressed the want to fight uh, Terence Crawford. But seeing as it looks like he's now moving up to 147, um, do you think that fight probably won't happen now? Well, you know, all these fights and, and, and possible fights that people like to mention and bring up, like Terence Crawford or or uh, anybody else at 140 pounds or even someone at 130, like they, they brought up the name of, uh, Lomachenko, maybe moving up to 135. All these, you know, fights are, are great, and I'm willing to 
on every single one of them, but it all depends on the timing. You know, if, if uh, Tanner Sharp moves up to 147, which I've heard also that, that he's close to moving up to 147, you know, that fight might not happen uh, for another few years. You know, I'm, I'm still at lightweight. Maybe by the time I move up to 140, Crawford is no longer there. And if I move up to 140 pounds, well, Machenko maybe barely moves up to 135. So, you know, it's, it's hard to, to say if it's going to happen or not. But uh, if we, the timing is right, if we're both in the same division at the same time, I'm willing to take on any fighter, any challenge, just like I'm sure any champion is willing to fight me as long as the, the timing is right for everyone. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, two last questions for you now, Mikey. Two questions about... Um, other fights I wanted to grab your opinion on. Um, last time we spoke, you mentioned that you wasn't particularly happy with Canelo for fighting at these catchways. Only just recently, this week, it's came out that he's going to be taking on uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Uh, that's going to be at 164 pounds, which is a strange weight. Um, what's your take on this? What's your take on this, Mikey? Who do you reckon is going to win this one? And um, what's your whole view? Or on this whole catch weight at, at 164, which is almost unheard of. Well, I I just see it as a business decision in Canelo's team. They need a big name. They need a big name opponent uh, and, and, and make the, the money and, and make the event that Golden Boy and Canelo want to put together. And uh, that name happens to be Chavez. That's the best option for them. Um huge name, huge fight for, for the boxing world, especially for Mexican uh, fight fans. It's a huge, huge boxing fight, but uh, like I said, I see it and, and clearly can say it, it's just a business decision. Um, it's not going to do much more than generate a lot of money, but it is, as far as you know, title or, or legacy victory, um, there's other fights that Canelo should be taking that the fans are asking for, like the Triple G fight or anybody else at 160 pounds, and instead he's choosing to fight Chavez Jr. at 164 or 65, whatever the catch weight may be. It, it, don't, it You can't say it's for any other reason than business. Who'd you see winning that one, Mikey? Well, I think the, it's actually not a bad fight. Uh, it all depends on Chavez Jr. I really think that if Chavez Jr. can get back in the gym, train, be hungry like he was when he fought uh, Sebastian Big and Andy Lee, uh, those kind of fights, you know, four or five, six years ago when he was champion, if he can get back to that rhythm and to that hunger, I think he has a very good chance of winning because he is very strong, very big. He has a good chance also of winning. But if he doesn't come prepared, if he's only in there half, you know, performing halfway, training, you know, half the time and not taking it serious, then Canelo's going to win. He's, Canelo's going to win because he's always in shape. He's always in training. He's, he's a big dude. He, he hits hard also. Um, but I think it's really in the hands of, of Chavez Jr. to to fill out and, 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 you know, determine who the winner is. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think it, it it depends on which Chavez Jr. turns up. We know that Canelo lives the life. You know, he's completely dedicated to boxing. Uh, Chavez Jr., unfortunately, 
we can't say the same things about him recently. But um, yeah, I hope it is a good fight. And the final question for you now, Mikey. You're fighting on the Frampton and Santa Cruz undercard. Um, last time we spoke to you, again, I keep referring to last time we spoke to you. Last time we spoke to you, this fight, the, the first one, was just about coming round. And I asked your opinion and you said you predicted it was going to be a close fight, but you just favoured Leo Santa Cruz to win. On the night, obviously, Frampton got the win. Who do you see winning this time round in the main event? Well, um, you know what? I thought Santa Cruz had the advantage in his size over Frampton, and that's why I had uh, picked him to win a close fight, a close decision. Turned out to be a very close fight, but I saw Frampton win. He did enough to win. He would uh, counter just enough to win the round. He would uh, circle around Santa Cruz and, and get off first, and he, he beat him. It was close, very competitive, but Frampton has a better game plan. Um, this time around, I don't expect it to be any different. I think it's going to be a very close fight. Uh, I would like to see Leo win, but maybe we'll see a third fight because it's going to be, you know, one hell of a fight. They, they put together, you know, a second fight together like they did the first one. We're definitely going to see a third fight. And if they're one and one, we need that rubber match, you know, to settle the score. Um, they're both going to come obviously with, with their strategy and Leo's going to make some adjustments. I also think uh, Carl Prime is going to make his adjustments. Now I really think it's a 50-50 fight. Uh, first time around, like I said, I was picking Leo for the size advantage, but I mean, Frampton did a very good job in the first fight that I, I think it's a 50-50 fight. Even though Frampton won the first fight, you know, it wasn't it wasn't an easy victory. It was a very close fight. I actually have it 50-50 this time. You can't pick a winner at all? I think, I think either one can, can win it. Like I said, I, I would like to see Leo win it. One, I know him, we're friends. And two, because it will make for a very good third fight. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Listen, Mikey, it's always a pleasure to speak with you, my friend. You know that yourself. You're a beast of a fighter, and I wish you all the best for the 28th. I know that you're going to be world champion again very soon, and we'll catch up sometime after the 28th, my friend. Uh, thank, you very, thank you very much. I appreciate the support and all the fans UK. Thank you very much for always supporting me, and now uh, I'm going to give them a lot more from, from Mikey Garcia. And that's it. It's time to wrap up episode 66. Last week we spoke to Javante Davis. He became a world champion just a few days after our interview. This week we spoke to Mikey Garcia. And I personally believe he's going to become a world champion again in just a matter of days. Seeing as we've had both Adam Etches and John Ryder on the show within the last seven days, it means that they've both been blessed with the box hard good luck charm. So it just adds to the anticipation of their fight. That's a fight I'm really, truly looking forward to. It really is. A big thank you to our two guests on this week's show, Mikey Garcia and John Ryder. A big thank you to our listeners, the most loyalist boxing heads in the world. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I, as summer, has been the Trevor McDonald of the boxing world. It's been fun. It's been another freebie for your ears. Same as always. We'll be back next week with another big show. Until then, take care.